0: So I think part of it is really thinking about that it's a commitment. So it's kind of, it, it's really a systems change model. And so it's not something that you're going to begin and implement the next day. It's, you know, you, you need to understand that you, it takes some time to begin building, build that capacity, and then it takes time to get to fidelity.
1: That was Aaron Smead in Kentucky talking about the START model, a program that incorporates addiction services treatment, good child welfare practice, and family preservation into a case management program. I'll be talking with her throughout this episode of how we partner with the community to improve service options. I'm Betsy Lerner, and in this podcast series, we're talking with child welfare agencies and their community partners who are working to develop a service array that's responsive to families and youth, and asking the question, what strategies are helping them change their organizational culture to support putting families at the center of their work? Take a listen to episode four. In the previous episode, you heard about how agencies, collaboratives, and others are bringing youth, families, and communities to the table as they strive to improve the child welfare system. As Kentucky examined how to make transformational changes to its child welfare system, they identified one program that exemplified the changes they wanted to make. In this episode, you'll hear about a highly effective child welfare program called Sobriety Treatment and Recovery Teams, or START. START embodies a shift in organizational culture to focus on family, and is an example of a truly collaborative team comprised of the Child Welfare Agency, behavioral health, treatment providers, family mentors, and the court system, who use an early intervention and shared decision-making model to work with families. It is also a good example of how the positive changes in organizational culture spread outwards to influence the larger system. I was interested in learning more about how the implementation of START makes for a change in agency culture. I talked with the program's director about how START came to Kentucky and how it has positively influenced practice throughout the region.
0: Hi, Katie. Hi. Hey. How are you? I'm fine. Good to see you. Sure. So I'm Erin Smead, and I am the director for the START program, which is the sobriety treatment and recovery teams in Kentucky. In 2006, Kentucky was also struggling with high numbers of children coming into out-of-home care and high numbers due to parental substance use. And so we recognized we needed to do something different. We began planning to bring START to Kentucky um, and began implementing the model in Kentucky. We realized we also had some work to do between our child welfare and behavioral health providers. You know, looking at um, sometimes historically that child welfare seems to be um, child-focused, the the treatment folks are um, very adult-focused, and so we realized we needed to look at changing that system to be family-focused and moving into that type of service delivery system. So we implemented START. We have implemented in six counties um, across Kentucky. Uh, we are expanding to two additional counties um, in our Northern Kentucky area as well. And START was implemented uh, in six unique counties to really become kind of a hub of influence for those areas to spread practice, um, not only within that one site, but really across the region that, that START was um, operating in. And so we we really utilize um, best practices across all of the systems, looking at the behavioral health, child welfare, as well as the courts. Our START teams are made up of a specially trained social worker and a family mentor, and the family mentor is somebody who is in long-term recovery themselves, who has had their own child welfare experience, sensitized to that, so they're truly able to walk the parent through that process. And so there's, there's truly, I, I say this often, but there's truly something to be said about that family coming into that meeting um, hopefully with all of their own supports but being able to to meet that family mentor that truly is able to say I've walked in your shoes and that early engagement which is so critical the family mentor also picks them up and takes them to that initial assessment so it's not the kind of I'll see you Tuesday or here's the here's the name and phone number for the treatment agency it is truly here is your appointment and I'm gonna come pick you up tomorrow, Um, and that warm handoff to treatment. They also take them to their initial treatment sessions after that, so if they're like an intensive outpatient treatment, they would take them to those appointments, helping them overcome barriers to, you know, anything that childcare, all of those other barriers that might be in place, and then that early engagement that's so important. So we're able to, because of all of that, and because of, we see the families a lot more often, so we're out there weekly assessing families and, and, providing services. And so because of all of that, that early intervention and wrapping services around families, we really try to keep families together to keep children in the home when we can safely do that so that and then the parent can walk through the recovery process. I think because we're able to provide some of those services, because we're able to get that intensity moving very quickly, um, the quick access and the intensive treatment, um, that, that we do have that opportunity to be able to make some, some different creative safety planning. What we have found, though, also is that, and again, because of, of the work especially that we're doing with those frontline investigative workers, is that we're seeing some of that practice really begin to spread in areas where we have START. One of the cornerstones of our model is that shared decision making. That can be different and scary for for folks who haven't been used to doing that. And so as we've moved into new sites, sometimes you feel a little resistance and and it doesn't feel very comfortable making live decisions and making decisions with families. But when you're truly able to bring all of those, those um, supports together, have the family at the center of that plan, bring the family supports there, bring other treatment providers to the table, then you're able to be able to make some creative safety planning Because we know we can't do the work So if you just had a family there and your child welfare worker, you're you're not gonna be able to move things forward as well. But we have begun to see that practice spread and change.
1: Okay, so today I just called the MAT program Mm -hmm. because I want to be able to fax a letter to them asking them to provide us with the date that they started and I also asked Erin to speak about how the communication between staff at the child welfare agencies, behavioral health agencies, and drug treatment programs has changed because of START.
0: In START, we have a lot of communication with our behavioral health providers. We actually have at at least weekly communication, which even happens more often than that. Um, But we have seen that collaboration begin to spread within those regions as well. Um, The work that we do with those providers, Um, we have a, um, we call it a direct line meeting, which is a monthly collaborative, um, community collaborative meeting. And so we bring partners. um, We have our our start teams, our start child welfare frontline folks there. And then we have behavioral health providers, including medication-assisted treatment providers and other community providers at those tables and we work on any communication issues that we're having. We report, which, which we need to, we keep on the agenda every time. Um, we also um, discuss new services. So we bring in, as we hear of new services, or new services that are offered at all of the agencies that we're working with currently. Um, and we have begun to um, do more outreach with all of our um, child welfare folks to make sure that they are, can be part of those meetings as well so they can hear that information. Begin to build those direct relationships with those providers because it's, you know, I would say it's much easier not to return a phone call to someone that you don't have a face to go along with than it is if you've built that relationship with those providers. Our family mentors really become a huge resource for the child welfare office overall. Um, the, the, our investigative workers utilize them um, to ask questions both about addiction and recovery. They also really serve as for, I think especially for our investigative workers who sometimes just see the family in crisis. They serve as that recovery role model to be able to say, recovery can happen, and it look, it happened, you know, for these folks who had, you know some real struggles as they walked through. One of our researchers had done a um, qualitative study about that very issue, and it was called Like a Marriage. Um, Exactly that, because we, it's called like a marriage because we often refer to it as like a marriage, that relationship between that social worker and that family mentor. And it very much is, it's a very close relationship, they are fully members of the team, they fully share those caseloads together. Um, But what we found is, um, through that study, was that having those partnerships for our START workers really increased their empathy for families. Um, because of, you know, understanding the stories of the family mentors and, and learning every day from our family mentors like we do. And it tr- it increased the empathy that they had for the families they worked with, which in turn gives better services to those families. So, yes, we we definitely see that across the board because it's pretty powerful to have been a recipient of child welfare services and then come work on that other side. And so we really have to explore that with them because some of them may not have had the best experience in child welfare as well. So thinking about becoming, you know, on that other side and being able, being the ones to say, yes, I am part of this team from child welfare, you know, and and so we really have to explore that with them before we even bring them on board. Um, But I think because they see I think those those families coming in that especially have that additional distrust, I think when they see that collaboration between um, the, the social worker and the family mentor, that's when they begin to build that trust. And, and with our service providers, they see that collaboration. They see us all being on the same team and, you know, really wanting to help their family. It's something that, that we always want to make sure that we're preparing the local offices for and having some discussion around that because there can be, um, you know, some some worry among other child welfare workers of, well, I'm not sure about this person coming in and and they may have their own questions or concerns. So helping prepare um, the child welfare office as well um, for, you know, the, the hiring of family mentors, they're going to be working right down the hall from you. They are going to be, you know, part of that team. But I, I really think after we do have some of those early discussions, I think they're able to, for the most part, truly become that resource for um, for those, even maybe some of those workers that were much more skeptical, um, they ha- become a resource um, for those. And and I would say even within our courts, um, with our providers as well, um, they have, have gone out and, and done some community education as well, which has been really important, schools, Hospitals. We we um, do a presentation that um, we've done several times with a, a panel presentation with some of our family mentors, and they've been we we've kind of shared some information about peer support, and then they've also been able to share some of their journey, and then discussing on the other side, and we leave usually leave that panel with what information do you think is important for the for these the the rest of the audience to understand and to hear so why why was that decision made on the child welfare end and then maybe why was that level of care decision made or why was that treatment decision made we've really worked on developing those relationships to be able to have those difficult questions difficult discussions so that we can truly understand each other's systems and understand why decisions would be made the, the way that they are i think that cross training is is huge at times,
1: representatives of the court system are included in these difficult discussions. I asked Erin to elaborate on their involvement.
0: The court systems um, vary in different areas. In some, some of our regions, there tends to be more court involvement, and in, in some of them, um, there's not as much. Um, but we knew that that was very important to go ahead and, and you know, initiate that, those discussions with the court. Um oftentimes, um, we have some excitement around the service, but also some fear around keeping children in the home with their parents. Some of the judges um, have actually reached out to each other when we've expanded. and so especially the ones that have developed start that have developed start dockets, um if they have um, they'll reach out to some of those other judges to understand. What, how they structure their docket, um, what kinds of things that, that they do with those families, and so that's been really beneficial.
1: It's clear that establishing relationships and regular communication are foundational to collaborative efforts like Start. But I wondered, what does it take to get a start site off the ground?
0: So when we look at um, developing a new site we're going to look at the need um, in that area. Um, Also so looking at the need for how many families are coming in and and what is the need um, for families with young children and and that meet that criteria. Um, We also are looking at some of the relationships and collaboration that that is already in place because that we know that that can that in and of itself can take a, a long time to begin to build and so we, we're kind of assessing that piece as well. We also um, assess the courts um, in that area to see, you know, kind of the openness to um, those new programs and, and to that collaboration as well. Um, and so we're gonna talk with, um, you know, our, our central office is of course very involved in that um, decision and discussions. And then all of our um, re- service region administrators would be part of that discussion um, initially. To help make those decisions, and then as we come on board to be able to um, talk with staff about their their thoughts, their concerns, as we're kind of moving into those different areas, um, as well as the treatment providers. So we, we kind of start start large and then begin to um, you know build down across the board. You, you think well? Is this going to work? Right? Are we going to are we going to be able to bring these folks on board and and really be able to make this program work? Because you've got to get some buy in. You have to get the buy in from the staff. You have to get the buy in from leadership. Um, we had some some good buy in from leadership, but you have to get the buy in of staff too to really make sure that it's going to that that they're going to make the referrals and that they're going to really you know kind of sell this to families as well. And so. So I think it was really exciting to see that beginning to happen as, as it did when you weren't so sure, when you were having some of those early discussions of, oh, I'm very leery about this. Um, and, and hearing about the program and knowing um, at least there was already, you know, some evidence um, beginning and we've begun to build up some more evidence. Um, but that was very exciting to see as, as we began to um, really get that buy-in. And so we recognized that there was a need, but it also meant that we had capacity issues, and so there were times where we weren't able to take a family. And what you heard, when we heard from certain investigative workers, and and some of those that may have been initially Leary coming in, and they would refer a case, and if we weren't able to accept it into START, that family was still getting ongoing services, but they weren't getting START services, And, and that investigative worker would be so disappointed. That there wasn't an opening for that family, and so you knew at that you know you you really knew that that investigative worker had bought in because they truly they would say, "Oh, this is the perfect family, you know they would really benefit from this service um, and so so hearing that really would make you you know um, understand that there had been that transition.
1: The start program has made an impact on the lives of many in Kentucky as part of the child welfare transformation it is actually expanding into two more counties. I asked Erin to share some of the data that supports this expansion.
0: We do have um, some positive outcomes that we do like to share. um, As far as we have, um, and I'll I'll just share those right now. We have, um, for our moms in START, what we found is about double the sobriety rates um, for START versus their non-START counterparts. Um, We found that children in START are about half as likely to come into foster care. And at the end of the case with START, about 75 to 78% of those children um, either remained in the home with their families or were reunited with their families by the end of that case. Uh, we also have that cost-saving piece, which is is always important, that for every dollar we spend on so- START, we offset about $2.22 in foster care costs as well. Um, all of our, our teams understand um, the importance of that data and of keeping that data and that, that evaluation piece and understanding and that that all of those those numbers are the families that we work with it's the work that's being done every day by our families with our families um and so understanding how important that is as well and understanding Um, to be able to share that information and to be able to say, yes, the the program's working many ways anecdotally that we know, and then also from a data standpoint as well. Um, We have received a lot of support from our central office, which has been so important. Um, We actually had two um, regional partnership grants where we Um, in START where we received a lot of ongoing consultation and support. Um, I think there was a a lot of support from from that at a national level and then also um, at the central office level.
1: Erin added that she has also seen a shift in attitudes towards families that come in with substance use disorder because of START.
0: Yeah, I I think the family mentors do play a role in that. I, I hope that um, the additional training that workers are getting and that discussion um, around you know, um, protective factors for families and stigma and how we need to um, really be aware of our own biases coming in. I hope that that has shifted. Um, It is difficult with new work, you know, when you have new workforce coming in because you you have to continue to reach back out and do that education um, for families. But, you know, I I think that um, what we've seen when we utilize that shared decision-making model also is that I think some of that shifts as well. Um, And they're truly able to see that the families being able to to really be at the center of those plans um, and see that they can build on their own strengths. And so I think that um, that begins to lessen the stigma. I think we we have ongoing work and discussion to do um, across the board, but I think that that all of those things are helping.
1: Erin has seen firsthand the value of putting families at the center of decision-making.
0: In start, we do the shared decision making. It looks a little bit different with some of our teams uh, across the board, across the state, um, but in start, we we always we utilize that shared decision making model. Um, I, I think again for those um, as we've moved into new areas where that was not um the way that they were making decisions they you know they they needed to make decisions quickly they may not have you know necessarily thought i have do i have time to bring this family together right do i I just need to go ahead and make this decision And, and not necessarily having the family at the center of that but what we found um for some of our um some as we've moved into to different regions and begun to utilize this approach we found especially those um those investigative workers who weren't used to that shared decision making model and again who were maybe coming into the to the, the this meeting thinking well I have to make this decision I've already made this decision this is what we have to go with and they were able to come into the meeting and say oh wow so I can learn some new information here and I can begin to utilize everybody that's in this meeting to be able to build this good protective plan around this family and we've gotten some good feedback from from those those investigative workers that wow this is a really nice process to be able to utilize so we We've, we've seen that shift, and you know, I, I think we, we want to continue to have that spread. You know, it, it happens beyond our START teams, but continue to have that, that spread across the board.
1: START's implementation in Kentucky shows that a shift towards focusing on family will result in positive outcomes. This one program incorporates the changes that Kentucky wants to see throughout its child welfare system. The program models inclusion of family voice with its base of shared decision-making, family mentors, early intervention, collaborative service planning, and regular transparent communication with all partners. You've heard how the buy-in of agency staff is key to ensuring the program is successful, and START has many champions who have seen the benefits and helped to spread best practices beyond the program. What is working well in your agency that you can build upon? How can your agency recognize and expand on successful initiatives and programs to create a more family-focused service array? Thanks for listening to the fourth episode of the podcast series, How We Partner With the Community to Improve Service Options. I hope it's left you inspired and sparked ideas that you can put into practice at your agency. Listen on for a brief snippet from the next episode, Data Sharing for Planning and Decision Making. Until next time. So it's not just what does the number tell us, it's what does what's behind that number, what's the story, and once you get the story behind it, then you can start addressing what's really problematic in the systems. This podcast was created by the Capacity Building Center for States, funded by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Administration for Children and Families, Children's Bureau under contract number HHSP 233201400033C.